Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare. A medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine, he is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right, welcome to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. What a great day to be Catholic. I mean, it's always a great day to be Catholic, but today feels like especially cool. I don't know why. Don't ask me why. But hey, let's get started here at the top of the noon hour with some of the most basic thoughts of our Catholic uh, mysteries. Let's pray the Angelus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke and we humbly pray unto thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God. Cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, folks, hey, we are in the month of October. And we got to talk, and you know, here in the first week, second week of October now, we got to talk about the rosary. This is important, very important for us Catholics, because the rosary can be a very, very misunderstood prayer. And I think we need to talk about a few different things when it comes to the rosary. What I want to talk about in our show today is, one, where's the power in the rosary? What's the point of praying the rosary? What is the rosary to begin with? <clears throat> Two, what benefit does it have? Believe it or not, if you don't know, there are promises associated with the rosary, which are very powerful promises. But then the question is, you know, as Catholics, we're, we're good about praying. We're good about going to church. We're good about intellectualizing our faith and, and realizing, yeah, the rosary is important. We're going to think about it. We're going to pray it. Wow, we're going to hear about these promises associated with the rosary. They sound really good. But we really, really need to work on putting our faith into action. And by we, I mean me <laughs> more than anything else. Um, but really putting that into action. We like to see it when it works. You know, we, it's great to have everything in theory. But once we put our faith into it and actually see our faith happen, that's where it gets powerful. That's where we start to understand, hey, you know what? We got to do that. We, this is important for me to do. It's important for me to go to mass. It's important for me to go to confession. It's important for me to pray the rosary. The, there's a whole month here in October dedicated to the rosary, and there is a reason why. Very, very powerful tool to get us closer to God. As we get closer to God, we get away from the things that are not necessary, the things that might be evil, the things that might just be keeping us from God. Anything really that keeps us from God can be categorized as evil, if you will, because it's not leading me closer to heaven. But the rosary is a great way to put me in that direction. Why? Because what the rosary really is, is a meditation on the life of Christ. Now, a lot of people will say, 
the rosary, gosh, it's all, you're praying to Mary, you're, you know, it's all about Mary, it's a Mary in prayer. Yes, it's a Mary in prayer. But Mary was the door for Christ to come to the world. It was her yes that allowed the life of Christ to be led here on earth, that allowed him to carry on his salvific mission uh, for us, which lets us know that God, right, right there, God is telling us, hey, I'm cooperating with It's not like I'm doing this alone. We're in this together. You're going to work with me and I'm going to work with you. And guess what? It's going to, my son is going to come from a virgin. He's going to come from a young lady and she's going to be a virgin and he's going to be born and she's going to be the doorway for me to get to heaven. This is how God works through us. Now, granted, I can't compare myself to Our Lady. I don't think any of us can compare ourselves to Our Lady. None of the saints can compare themselves to Our Lady because there is not going to be a greater saint that you're going to find. But you're going to, what we can realize and what we can glean from this is when we allow God to work in our lives, we allow Christ to come into the world as well, not as perfectly as Our Lady did, but God can make anything perfect. So I want to start off with a few things. What's going on with the rosary? Now, I, I titled the show The Family Rosary, right? Because I think that the family rosary is the ultimate weapon against all evil. Why? Because that's how God came into the world, and that's how the world started. God made us as a family. God could have said, hey, I'm going to make individual people. God could have said, I'm going to make all men. I'm going to make all women. But no, God decided to make us as a family. And what happens when we pray the rosary as a family? Well, powerful things can happen. But very practically speaking, the first thing that happens is the kids moan and groan and complain and say, what? I don't want to pray the rosary right now. I remember growing up, it was it was not the funnest thing to do, you know, seven o'clock at night, 730. I'm trying to watch my favorite TV show. I'm trying to do something fun. And my mom would say, OK, time to pray the rosary. Oh, my goodness. What is this? No, I have to sit here and be in torture for a little while, because quite frankly, as a kid, when I was praying the rosary, it was about sitting there saying the prayers being told how to pray. Um, I don't blame anybody. That's just how, how it is. I mean, ultimately, prayer is hard. That's how it is for us as adults. But really, the question is, how do I get a kid into this? How do we get the family to pray the rosary? And we'll see the fruits of that as we go on in life. Well, there's a few different things we can do. Uh, I think back to my childhood, and I think it could have been a little bit funner, but I understand the process. You got to sit and you got to do it. Sometimes you just got to sit and do it. At the same time, for my own kids, I like to implement a few different things when it comes to the rosary. So what we want to talk about first is how do we get the family into the rosary? And then I want to talk about why this is important and why the rosary is important, because the kids aren't going to understand, or I should say the kids are going to understand as much as the adults are willing to show them. And that's what I'm realizing uh, with my own kids now, because we can sit and pray the rosary and I say, everybody, okay, grab your rosaries. We're going to sit, we're going to pray, and you're going to like it, gosh darn it, you know, and that can be pretty rough. That can be hard because we got to be honest, the rosary can be very dry, and instead of a time of wonderful meditation where I can focus on the life of Christ, it can easily, easily become a time where my mind wanders, where I don't remember what mystery I'm on, I don't remember what number of the what beat I'm on. We have to ask around. You're looking at your neighbor to see what they're on. You're waiting for the glory be so you can start a fresh new uh, mystery. You know, so there's all different things that can happen. But I would say this. I found this article um, that had a few pointers. It was kind of cool. I'm going to put all these articles that we'll talk about today here as links. Um, but it was some ideas to help if your kids are still young and you're trying to pray the rosary. So I'll give you the uh, ideas that are here in this article and I'll tell you 
little bit about what's worked in our family, because believe it or not, you're wondering, well, Dr. Sandoval, what does it have to do with mental health? What does this have to do with our physical health? What does this have to do with our spiritual health? Well, the spiritual health is obvious, but you're going to see something as we go down uh, at the end of the show. We talk about some power, a powerful conversion story from the rosary. The rosary, praying the rosary can actually help in, in different ways, and it can help with our mental health. And it's going to help with our spiritual health and our physical health as well, because when we're feeling mentally healthy, we're going to be physically healthy. And we're going to see that it can there can easily be a confusion between our mental health and our spiritual health. You know, is it that I'm feeling depressed or is it that I'm being oppressed? We're going to see that in, as the show goes on in the, in the next segments. But first, we have to start very basic. You know, it's kind of like when you teach a kid how to play a sport or something. I don't tell them all the rules but I show them the ball or I show them the basketball court or I show them all the cool stuff about it. Get the person into it. And then you'll understand why the rules are important and how the game is played. But if you have kids, you want to pray the rosary as a family. First, I would say, understand that there's going to be distractions. That's without, without a doubt. There's going to be distractions and I cannot expect a perfect rosary, right? So that's the first mindset I would start with. Let's look at some of these suggestions. One of these suggestions said, let the youngest child pronounce the word Jesus in every Hail Mary. Uh, this is based on Pope John Paul, too, um, because he was the Pope of the Rosary. And Pope John Paul says the word Jesus is the center of gravity of the entire Rosary. And if the child learns only that word, they're learning the most important part. They'll feel like they're really part of the prayer. Now, that's one thing that's important to remember with the Rosary, whether it be for a child or an adult. The focus of the Rosary is the life of Christ. You know, a lot of people think, oh, it's all about Mary. No. Like I said before, Mary is the door that opens uh, that opens for Christ to come into the world. And the rosary, really, that's, that's what it's all about. It starts off with Our Lady, the Annunciation, which is really the Incarnation, right? So the Annunciation and the Incarnation, May 25th, nine months before Christmas, it's one and the same. So we start off by realizing that this is about Jesus. This is about the life of Christ. And I think that's a great idea when we tell the kids, hey, What's this about? We got to say the word Jesus, right? Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. And everybody says Jesus. That's a great way to put that focus on, hey, we're saying our Hail Marys and we're focusing on Christ. I remember one of my kids said, Dad, I feel kind of weird because I'm praying to Hail Mary, but I'm looking at the picture of Jesus and I'm seeing Jesus. And so that's actually exactly what we're supposed to do. The Hail Mary component of the rosary is a meditative part. I'm not supposed to focus entirely on the Hail Mary. The Hail Mary is a mantra. It's a, it's a meditation. So I can focus on the mystery, on the life of Christ. Now, the next suggestion was pray one decade every day of the week, Monday through Friday. It's pretty... It's much more manageable time frame, and by the end of the week, you pray to the whole rosary. Well, here's what I would say. I agree with that. I mean, what I would say is let the kids pray as much as they can without overdoing it, because one of the challenges is if the kid's are really little, it's really hard, even though it's only 15 minutes or so, 20 minutes, it's really hard to sit for 15, 20 minutes and pray the rosary, especially when you're little. I mean, it's hard enough as an adult, to be honest with you sometimes, but when you're really, really little, all you think about is you want to go, you know, play with your toy car, play with your dolls, do read a book, do something, anything really, because it can feel like torture. I think you got to take it baby steps at a time. Know the age of your child, know what they can handle, and get them enthused about it. Get them excited about the rosary. Um, by doing little bits at a time, it's much more manageable. Now, here it says to do one decade of the week and you pray the whole rosary in the week. And that's true. But I would say for the adult, you got to pray the whole rosary. For the kids, get them involved for that one decade and then they can go off and do whatever they need. But at least they got a decade in them every single day of the week. More when we come back after the break. 
All right, folks, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. As always, it is a pleasure to be here with you talking about our Catholic faith, learning, and really trying to figure out why is rosary so important. But more importantly for me, and I think for anybody who's trying to teach uh, their kids how to pray the rosary, how do we keep it uh, in, in the family? How do we keep teaching our faith and growing in our faith and making sure that these traditions get handed down, boy, it can be a challenge. And so any tips are great. I encourage any tips. Anybody who who wants to email me and let me know, gosh, this is what worked for me and my family, please bring it on because it's always important to learn from each other and to say, hey, this is where uh, uh, we can learn and and get our kids to, to pray the rosary and really more than anything else to love the rosary. You know, um, one of the things that's hard sometimes is if the adults are the only ones who pray the rosary and we sit down and we say, hey, you got to listen and pray and follow, um, that could be kind of boring for the kids because they feel like it's kind of like being at church and you're just sitting there and you're just listening to the prayers, you, uh, you know, and, and yeah, you're participating in your heart uh, and you got to know how to do that. And that builds and that grows with the rosary. One of the nice things is to have the kids pray. And that's one of the suggestions here in this article. It says, have the children who are old enough lead the prayers. Oftentimes kids as young as three have the Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Mary memorized. <laughs> Our, the Our Father can be led by the oldest child because it's longer and much more difficult to pronounce. And this article says that their five-year-old still says temptation instead of temptation. And that's okay. I think that the important part is getting the kids to participate. Now, definitely we do that. I like that because what we do is we just say, hey, everybody's going to pray in uh, one mystery. Everybody pick a mystery uh, and we're all going to pick and pray it. One of the things that the kids really like to do as well is before every mystery, sometimes we'll have them say any intention they want. And we'll say, hey, we're going to pray this mystery. What's your intention? You're going to lead the, the mystery. And what do you want to pray this for? And you'd be surprised what the different intentions are. <laughs> it can be anywhere between hoping to get, you know, a Christmas present, hoping to, uh, you know, whatever the intention is as a kid. But the ones that surprise me the most are where I see Christ working in my kid's heart. And I see them and I hear them. And sometimes they'll say, you know, one of my one of my youngest said that uh, when it when it was the, the, the third mystery, third joyful mystery was the nativity of our Lord. And they said, you know, that the world understand that this isn't about presence and that Christmas isn't about Santa, but it's about Jesus. And I thought, wow, you know, that came from the, from the little kid who is making their Christmas list. As soon as, you know, Christmas is over. December 26th is the new Christmas list for the next year. Um and right away, they were just really saying, hey, we didn't got to make this about Christ. That was surprising, pleasantly surprising, where I thought, you know, that's the Holy Spirit right there. So <clears throat> definitely getting the kids involved. The next one is, if attempting a full rosary, color coloring pages for the kids that depict each of the mysteries are very helpful in keeping the kids from expending their energy in less productive ways and still allows everyone the time together to pray and focus on Jesus. I think that's pretty cool. If you happen to have a coloring page that depicts each mystery and maybe the kids can sit there and color while they're praying, that's meditative as well. It's almost like an icon. It's like writing an icon. One of the things that I find helpful is because after a while you say, hey, we're each going to do a mystery, but everybody wants to do a different mystery or two people are fighting to do a mystery. Two of the kids will say, I want to do that one. No, I want to do that one. What I have is uh, color cards that depict each mystery and I let the kids pick um, blindly. Everybody picks a card and that's the mystery you got for the day. And so it changes it up. And we put those up on the mantle every time we pray. Whoever's leading the rosary puts the pictures up. And that way we can see the pictures and focus on that while we're praying. They seem to really like that. They get involved. They know they've got a mystery coming up. 
uh, and they've got it in their hand. And so it kind of keeps them in tune. Yeah, in the middle of the rosary, I'd say allow for interruptions. Uh, allow for the kids to ask questions. Uh, you know, it can be challenging because as adults, if we're trying to get into this meditative state, um, we don't always uh, find it uh, uh, helpful to focus on our own rosary, so to speak. But I got to remember that teaching the kids is part of my prayer. And so if they stop and ask questions, some of the questions are, what beat are we on? And everybody groans and says, oh, we're on this one. Can't you follow along? But I got to remember, it's easy to get distracted. But some of the other questions really are profound because they start seeing the pictures and they'll ask, well, why is this in the picture? Or why is that happening? And as an adult, it's easy to say, oh, you're interrupting my rosary. But the reality is you're not because you're making me think as well. You're making me remember why I'm praying the rosary. And you're making me think of the mysteries more in depth as I see these pictures. I think it's very powerful to be able to do that, to have these conversations. The rosary goes longer. Sometimes you're there for half an hour. Uh, but then you got to make up time for that or you got to appreciate where is the kid at at this point. I remember one night we were praying and boy, for whatever reason, everybody was just tired. You know, and towards the end of the, of the rosary, we hadn't finished praying. But I said, OK, we're going to finish this mystery. Everybody's going to go to bed. I'm going to finish the rosary for us because it just was not going to be productive for them anyway. They're fighting sleep uh, for whatever reason that night. And I think we got to make those allowances. Sometimes we feel like, boy, if I didn't pray the whole rosary, it's just not going to work. But I think our Lord knows where we're at, especially when it comes to kids. We're trying to teach the kids. I think as adults, we got to keep praying the rosary. Now, why is this important? We try to think of different tips and different ways to keep the kids engaged. Sometimes it's hard as adults to be engaged. But one of the things I want to teach my kids and remind them, not because we got to do something for something all the time, but our lady did put promises attached to the rosary. So I let them know, hey, this is why we pray the rosary, because we want to get closer to God. But let's also look at the promises that our lady said she would provide us with as we pray the rosary, kids. You know, think about it when we're praying. Let's see what it is. So let's look at the 15 promises that our lady gave us uh, for those who pray the rosary. Number one, whoever shall faithfully serve me by recitation of the rosary shall receive signal graces. Now, a signal grace may be a simple sign in daily life that answers a question made in prayer or points towards God's will. For example, seeing a rose after finishing a novena to St. Teresa of could be considered a signal grace. Signal graces are subtle or seemingly coincidental. It's these things where when we pray, you know, a lot of times in the world we say, oh, that's just a coincidence. And we forget that God is working in our lives. But it's the little ways that we say, hey, that was a moment where God worked in my life. Sometimes as a doctor, I'll be like, God might tell me, you know, I get an inspiration, if you will, to say, hey, you better check this on this patient or you better go check that lab or you better, you know, ask this question. And I wonder, where did I, where did I get that from? You know, I, OK, I just, for, for some reason, I, I got a feeling that I got to do that. And that can be a signal grace, something that leads us in a direction where we're like, hey, I'm glad I checked that because I, I wasn't going to check that. But I got this inspiration or. I've heard many priests uh, talk about when they're in the sacrament of confession and all of a sudden they say, you know, I say something to, to the penitent and I would have never said that. That's not something that I would normally uh, uh, say or think of or do. But lo and behold, I said that. And then sometimes the penitent walks away saying, wow, that's exactly what I needed to hear. These are the signal, signal graces. These are the moments where God is working through us. You know, those little moments where we're going through life and we think sometimes we're alone or or God's not listening to us. And then we remember, ah, we're, this is a cooperation. This is where we're talking about God is working in our lives. And as so long as we're working with God and praying the rosary, that's 
the number one promise we're going to get these signal graces number two i promise my special protection and the greatest graces to all those who shall recite the rosary i'll take it why not we're going to get the greatest graces now, I might not see them. I might not know until the day I die what graces I received, and hopefully I made good use of them. But Our Lady's promising that if we can pray the rosary, she's going to give us the greatest graces possible. I'll take it. Why not? Promise number three. The rosary shall be a powerful armor against hell. It will destroy vice, decrease sin, and defeat heresies. We're going to see how that works. You know, this is where sometimes we read this and we say, wow, that sounds really cool. It's powerful armor against hell, destroy vice, decrease sin, and defeat heresies. We would think it sounds great. Have we seen it in action? We're going to see it in action. You're going to see uh, somebody who had a great conversion, an incredible conversion, really, through the recitation of the rosary. Um, but this happens, you know, and we got to remember to teach our children not to make it scary. Hey, we're going to, there's a powerful armor against hell. Let me tell you about hell uh, necessarily. But it's important for kids to know the reality and the truth. We have to explain to them that there is evil out there. And this is one way to protect ourselves from this evil. Uh, destroy vice, decrease sin, defeat heresies. There's going to be temptations out there for us. And if we have something to destroy those temptations to get us away from anything that's vice, I'll take that as well. Promise number four, it will cause good works to flourish. It will obtain for souls the abundant mercy of God. It will withdraw the hearts of men from the love of the world and its vanities and will lift them to, to the desire for eternal things. Oh, that souls would sanctify themselves by this means. Well, this is where it changes our hearts and it, and it changes our focus. And this is where I think I see that working. I'm telling you, when my, when my little kid said, gosh, I want that people know that Christmas is really about Jesus and not about Santa or gifts or things like that. I was like, that's promise number four. Why? Because it will draw the hearts of men. It will withdraw the hearts of men from the love of the world and its vanities, and it will lift them to des the desire for eternal things. I think that was happening right there. You know, whether I, how do you tell a little kid that presents aren't the most important thing? You know, that's what we look forward to on Christmas, but it works. I saw it work. Promise number five. The soul which recommends itself to me by the recitation of the rosary shall not perish. In other words, anyone who faithfully prays the rosary and asks for Mary's intercession will be saved from hell. You know, a lot of times we wonder here as we're going through the world, am I in the state of grace? Am I, have I done what I needed to do? Did I make a proper confession? Do I have that desire for heaven? Am I in a good place? Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? These are questions that we don't always have the straight answer to. If I ever tell somebody I am absolutely in the state of grace and I know for sure I'm going to heaven, mm, they're going to say, I don't know about that. You know, how do we know? And it's hard to know that. However, if I recite the rosary, if I put my faith in contemplating the mysteries of the life of Christ, Our Lady tells us, hey, that's one good way that regardless of where you're at, I'm going to come and I'm going to help you out and I'm going to get you into heaven. I'll take it. Whoever shall recite the rosary devoutly, this is number six applying himself to the consideration of the sacred mysteries shall never be conquered by misfortune. God will not chastise him in his justice. He shall not perish by an unprovided death. If he will be just, he shall remain in the grace of God and become worthy of eternal life. Again, it's one of these things that we wonder, does God care about our material lives? And I think this is really what this is talking about. Yes, it's, it's a... Um, material and spiritual because at the beginning 
if we pray the rosary devoutly, we will never be conquered by misfortune. That's material to me. The, the misfortune part, that doesn't sound like, hey, you're not going to go to hell. It sounds like in your in your earthly life, you won't have misfortune. You got to pray the rosary. Now, that's going to mean different things to different people, right? I got to ask myself, what does misfortune really mean to me? I mean, is it something where misfortune means that I, I didn't get the right car that I wanted, even though my car works, I didn't get a fancier house or, you know, how do we define misfortune? I think what it means is, we will always be provided for, just like in the Gospel of Matthew, where Jesus says, you know, look at the flowers, look at the birds. God's always providing for, for the fields and, and for the animals. How much more important are you? I think it'll help us to realize that we're always going to have what we need, regardless of what's happening in the world, in our lives. And the next part, God will not chastise him in his justice. You know, it doesn't mean that, hey, we can sin and we're going to be okay uh, in terms of don't worry about it. God's not going to punish you. No. I think that if we look at this, God will not chastise him in his justice. What does that mean? It means that even though we're sinners, we're coming humbly to pray the rosary. God is not going to send us to hell. God's going to find the mercy there to say, hey, you're trying to get closer to me. You're doing a conversion of your heart. I'm going to help you out. We're going to make you worthy of eternal life. You work with me. I'm going to work with you. Really, we got to remember that prayer, the rosary. It's a cooperation between us and God. Focus on the life of God and God's going to focus on our lives as well. More promises when we come back after the break. All right, folks, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Today we are talking about the power of the rosary, why it's important to teach our children the rosary. And right now we're going through the promises of the rosary. We're going to see these promises in action in the last segment. We're going to talk about a very, very important conversion story that came from prayer and through the rosary. Um, but first, let's finish looking at these promises that are attributed to the rosary. So now we are on promise number seven. Our Lady says, whoever shall have a true devotion to the rosary shall not die without the sacraments of the church. What does this mean? That even on our deathbed, even before death, we will have confession. We will have communion. What a better way to make our transition into eternal life than to have the comforts of knowing that we were able to make a good confession. We were able to receive communion. We were able to have the last rites preparing our journey, really. I mean, think about it. When we go on a trip, we go on a journey here. We like to prepare. We like to read about, you know, where we're going to stay, where we're going to go, what things there are to do, where we want to pack our bags. We want to make sure everything's ready to go. Well, on our transition from this earthly life to our spiritual life, all I need to do is pack up my confession, my Eucharist, my last rites, take that with me because that's what I have to present. Hopefully a clean soul, hopefully a worthy life. And Our Lady saying, hey, you're not going to die without these sacraments. You're not going to be unprepared for death. I'll take that. That's important. A lot of us, it's kind of scary to think about that passing that moment of death. And, you know, for little kids, a lot of kids will think about and they'll naturally go through a phase where they get scared about mommy or daddy dying or being alone. And this is one way to maybe comfort them. If anybody has any kids that are experiencing that and let them know, hey, we're going to pray the rosary. You're never going to have to worry about being alone. You're never going to have to worry about um, that transition because we're always going to be prepared for that. God will always prepare us for, for, for that moment when any of us is going to pass. Let's look at number eight. Those who are faithful to recite the rosary shall have during their life and at their death the light of God and the plenitude of his graces. At the moment of death, they shall participate in the merits of the saints in paradise. That's a big deal right there. 
you know, the moment of death, they're going to participate in the merits of the saints in paradise. A lot of times we go through and we think, I could never be a saint. Man, look at their lives. They were so holy. That's not me. The reality is we can't make it in through the pearly gates if we don't have sainthood. That's what it really means. Being a saint really means that we're ready to get through, uh, ready to walk into heaven, ready to, ready to be with Christ. If I pray the rosary, I'm actually going to participate in the merits of the saints. That's a big deal because that tells me that praying the rosary then is efficacious. It's doing something, not like a sacrament because it is a sacramental, it is a prayer, but prayer itself is efficacious. I believe that if I am praying this rosary, it's going to do something for my soul. It's going to strengthen my soul and it's going to help cleanse my sins. And that's a big deal. Not only that, our lady is saying, if you do this, it's like you're a prayer warrior. It's like you're moving towards sainthood and you're going to deserve those merits in heaven. Let's look at number nine. I shall deliver from purgatory those who have been devoted to the rosary. Notice something. It doesn't say that just because you're praying the rosary, you're going to go straight, straight to heaven. You might end up in purgatory, and that's okay. There might be some sins that we need to make up for. I would much rather be in purgatory making up for sins and present myself blemished to the gates of heaven. But Our Lady's saying, hey, if you pray the rosary, it's going to be a much more efficacious way to get to heaven. If you were focused on the life of Christ, then you're going to be prepared to live a life with Christ. I think that that's the important part of that promise. Number 10, the faithful children of the rosary shall merit a high degree of glory in heaven. I'll leave that one up to God. I'll take a high degree of glory in heaven. I don't know all the degrees of glory in heaven. I don't know, uh, you know, we haven't been there, but we know that there is a spectrum. Uh, there are different degrees of glory. And if by praying the rosary, something as simple as meditating on the life of Christ, I will earn a high degree of glory in heaven. I'll take that. Whatever higher degree God wants to give me or feels I deserve, I will humbly accept. Number 11, you shall obtain all you ask of me by recitation of the rosary. Now, keep in mind, this is all you ask of me so long as it's in with the will of the Father. But that's a pretty big promise, you know. We don't always see that. We don't always think of that because we're sometimes we go through life and we're wondering, where is God? I need help. He's not helping me. I feel so alone. But Our Lady is saying that if we pray the rosary, we're going to obtain everything we ask, all the graces necessary, everything we need in this life, everything we need to lead us into a good path. Our Lady is going to have that for us. That's pretty impressive. That's that's pretty important. I mean, that, that one I, actually makes me think, you know, gosh, anything we ask, let me read that again. You shall obtain all you ask of me by recitation of the rosary. That's a big one. Number 12, all those who propagate the rosary, in other words, you tell other people to pray it, let them know that it is important, shall be aided by me in their necessities. Our lady herself is going to come and help us. That's pretty good. You know, our, our mother in heaven is going to help us in our necessities, which means that Heaven knows us and knows what our necessities are. It's not like she's saying, well, I'll stop there and listen to what you need. She's saying, no, I'm just going to help you in what you need. Heaven already knows that. Number 13, I have obtained for my divine son all the advocates of the rosary shall have for their intercessors the entire celestial court during their life and at the hour of death. The entire celestial court during their life and at the hour of death, meaning that as we are praying here, if we pray the rosary, as we move forward, all of heaven is going to be rooting for us. All of heaven is going to be saying, hey, let's make this person's life better and more holy and better able to get closer to heaven. That's a big deal. That's a very, very big deal. And at the hour of death. Remember, that transition is probably not an easy transition. It probably doesn't feel very natural for the soul to depart from the body. It's got to be a little bit rough. But if we have the entire celestial court there rooting for us, 
we're going to receive our sacraments and our lady is going to be there to console us. I think that's a big deal. I think that, and all we got to do is just pray the rosary, devote a little time focusing on the life of Christ, meditate, meditating on the life of Christ. I think that's a pretty good trade-off. Number 14, all who recite the rosary are my sons and brothers of my only son, Jesus Christ. We're family. That's really what it says. What don't you do for family? You know, it's interesting, like when you see movies and things like that, you, you know, you might mess with many things, but you don't mess with my family. That's really what Our Lady's saying. You know, if you're my sons and brothers of my only son, Jesus Christ, if we're leading a life where we're praying the rosary, tragedy might try to befall us. Things might try to, you know, hurt us or keep us from being happy or joyful. I think Our Lady is going to intercede and say, nope, I'm going to help you out. Number 15. Devotion to my rosary is a great sign of predestination. What does that mean? She means a devotion to the rosary is a good indication that the devotee is on the path to heaven. It's a great sign that we are meant to go to heaven. It's a reminder that as we pray the rosary, we're heading in that direction. These are great promises, you know. I mean, there's a lot of them, so I wouldn't necessarily uh, pray, say all 15 at one time to the kids uh, because it might be overwhelming. But you know, if every day you say one or two promises and we're going to go through and, and remember, this is why we're praying this. There's something to be had by praying the rosary. Um, that's important because down the road, we never know. You know, a lot of times it's easy to to teach our little kids about the faith. And as we grow up, as we know, when we grew up, you know, we get to a certain age, we start to question things in life and we might even question our faith. We might even question if the Catholic faith is the true faith. And we might even question, you know, what this is all about. We might veer off a, the path of faith. We might veer off the path of holiness. But if usually, if you've been taught as a kid what's right or wrong, something will come back to remind us of that. Something will come back to say, hey, you got to get back on the right path. You got to remember what's real. Because once we veer off that path, it's a rough road. It might look great at first, but it turns into a pretty rough road pretty fast. And you know, the kids might not see that. We start getting to an age where we think we know better than everybody else. We know better than mom and dad. We know how to solve the world's problems, or so we think in our minds. And the reality is, it's not that easy. You know, it, we can easily get ensnared and trapped uh, by the devil, as we say in the prayer to St. Michael, right? Snares and traps of the devil. So it's important to remember that, why am I doing this? I'm investing in my kid's future, really. It can be hard to teach them how to pray the rosary. It can be tedious. But the way I want to teach them is with the idea of, let's make it fun. Let's make it entertaining in the sense that they are involved with it. And by entertaining, I mean, let's get pictures of the mysteries. Let's get the kids to pray. Let's have them have ownership of a mystery or of the rosary or the beads. Get them their own rosary, something that they can hold and know that they know that that's theirs and that's the one that they pray with. Because those conversion stories will happen. Let's talk about a very pretty powerful conversion story. I don't know if anybody knows who Blessed Bartolo Longo is, but he's a classic figure that we talk about. You know, he is blessed now, uh, but he's a classic figure we talk about in the deliverance ministry because Blessed Bartolo Longo led quite an interesting life. Let's read a little bit about his life here and see how the rosary changed his life. <clears throat> it says Bartolo Longo was born in the small town of Laziano near Brindisi in southern Italy on February 10th, 1841. His parents, Dr. Bartolomeo Longo and, and Tenonia Luparelli, were wealthy and exceptionally devout Catholics who prayed the rosary together daily. So let's start with that. <clears throat> this uh, blessed person grew, into, grew up in a family that was very wealthy and exceptionally devout, and they prayed the rosary together daily. Okay, so what happened to him? He became alienated from the church when his mother died in 1851. 
Being far from his family, when he left to study law at the University of Naples, he drifted further away. So remember, he's studying law. He's going to become a lawyer. <clears throat> the final coup de grace, the final, the straw that broke the camel's back occurred when he fell in with a, with a pagan group which ordained him, get this, ordained him as a satanic priest. So let's back up a little bit there. First of all, <clears throat> he grew up in a Catholic family. Pray the rosary together daily. Just because we're praying the rosary together daily, does that guarantee that somebody will not fall away from the faith? No, it does not guarantee that. Because, again, the world can trap and ensnare us and make us forget everything we learn and make us forget what's real and valuable. And this is important as well. He went away for school. When we're far away from our family, it's easy to feel alone and it's easy to not be sure what decisions to take. And other things start to look good. He fell in with a pagan group. Right, he fell in with a group that had that was complete opposite of his of his Catholic upbringing, and what happens to him? He becomes an ordained, ordained satanic priest. What does that mean? It means he was in full force. He was all evil. There was no question about it. He devoted himself to this evil. It says he participated in seances, fortune telling, and orgies. He fooled himself into thinking he could do real magic, and that just set him up for a greater fall than the first one. He felt motivated to publicly ridicule Christianity at every turn and did everything within his power to subvert Catholic influence in society and culture. He even convinced many other Catholics to leave the church and participate in occult rites. Well, folks, if that's not a 180, I don't know what else to tell you. What's going to happen to this saint or to this blessed person? Well, we know he becomes blessed, but how? How's that possible? You become a satanic priest? You're involved in seances, fortune telling, and orgies. And not only that, in a way, kind of like we can look at, you know, St. Paul used to kill Christians. In a way, he's doing that too. Why? Because he's telling Christians to leave the Catholic faith and he's really killing Christianity and he's making them participate in occult rites. It's kind of like killing off Christians, you know, because they're thinking of different things. Let's see what happens after the break. Right, folks, well, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. And I got to tell you, you know, what a special show today. We're talking about the rosary, the power of the rosary. So many promises associated with the rosary that we don't think about. But really, we need to see those promises in action because that's just our human nature. You know, we read about a lot of things. We can intellectualize a lot of things. But until we see something in action, we're not quite as inspired. Now, we're talking about Blessed Bartolomeo Longo important story. This was a man who grew up in Italy. His parents were wealthy, very devout Catholics, um, and they prayed the rosary together every night. What happens to Bartolomeo? He goes off to law school, and he finds the 180 of the way he grew up. He goes into satanic cults, and he starts to participate in the occult. Not only that, but he starts bringing Christians and Catholics along with him, ridiculing Christianity, tells Catholics to leave the church and to participate in occult rites. In other words, he's literally killing Catholics, not physically, but spiritually, just like Adam and Eve, right? Oh gosh, if you eat of that fruit, no, you're not going to die, but they did die. They died a spiritual death. And this is what he's promoting. He's promoting spiritual death. He's promoting people to go into the occult rites, to leave God and to participate in satanic rituals. Well, it doesn't get much worse than that, I would dare say. Um, but what starts to happen? You know, this is important because what starts to happen when we head in that direction, when we don't trust God, when we start thinking that, hey, you know, 
I can I can handle a, a little bit of the occult. I can I can dabble in this. I can I need to learn about this. You know, we convince ourselves I need to learn about this because I need to know what I'm fighting. No, we don't. All we need to know is we pray the rosary. We'll never have to fight that. If we focus on our sacraments, if we focus on uh, following the Christian faith, we'll never have to learn about the occult forces because we'll be fighting it already. That's how we that's how we fight the devil. That's how we get him away. Well, what happened to Bartolomeo Longo? Because as he's doing these seances, you know, it's easy to think and romanticize, well, he's blessed now. So he must have just decided one day, you know what, this is not good. I'm just going to start to pray. And that's that. Oh, it's not that simple. Because once we delve into sin and once we get into dark places, the, the devil wants to hold on. We try to leave, but he's not going to make it that simple. Look at, let's look at what this article has to say. It says, the more he, he experimented with dark forces, the deeper he sank into depression and demonic obsession. Let me read that again, because this is what we've got to remember. The more he experimented with the dark forces, the deeper he sank into depression and demonic obsessions. Joy, like God, were far from him. In their stead, his life was marked with extreme depression, paranoia, hatred, confusion, and nervousness. He was horribly afflicted by dark, diabolical visions, which frightened him and threw him into a cycle of ever-declining health. He ultimately experienced a mental breakdown. Why is that important, folks? Because when you're coming to me here and I'm reading this, this is really what it comes down to, what we have to decide in deliverance ministry. I have to look at this and ask myself, hey, is this a spiritual issue or is this a mental health issue? Because you're going to have both. Notice he had a mental breakdown, right? What was he experiencing again? He was experiencing depression. I treat depression. Paranoia. We treat paranoia. Hatred. We don't really treat hatred. Confusion and nervousness. Yeah, we treat all that. Now, why was he experiencing this? Was he experiencing a real mental breakdown where I, if he were to come to me, I would treat him? Probably. I would say, hey, it sounds like you need some medication. But the reality is, hey, you also need spiritual medication. You need conversion. You're going to have both because this is really affecting your mind and it's really affecting your body. He experienced a mental breakdown. And remember, he experienced declining health. It's like when St. Paul tells us that if we receive unworthily, if we receive the Eucharist unworthily, we're going to get sick. Because why? The body's going to be affected by the soul and the mind and vice versa. Everything's connected. So Bartolomeo Longo, not in a good place now. You start heading down that dark path. It's going to suck you in and it's going to make you feel awful. It says, in his darkest moments, he heard his decreased father begging him. I'm sorry, his decreased, his deceased father. He heard the voice of his father begging him to return to God, return to God. Greatly moved by this vision, uh, he turned to his old friend, Professor Vincent Vincentio Pepe. Vincentio convinced Longo to abandon Satan and introduce himself, introduced him to Father Alberto Radente, a Dominican priest. He heard Longo's confession and brought him back to God and his church. So let's look at this. This is why this is important when we're wondering, gosh, is it worth it to teach my kids how to pray the rosary? Is this important at all? What does it matter? If my kids ever veer away, something's going to remind them of the voice of their father. Something's going to remind them of the voice of their mother. Something's going to bring them back to say, hey, we got to get back to prayer. And, so, and notice when he heard the voice of his father return to God, he turned to, his, to an old friend, and this old friend brought him to a priest. This is how we start coming back step by step, right? We left the church like Bartolomeo Longo, little by little. He delved into the, the darkest areas, but something had to be introduced into his mind, one little piece. Well, guess what? To get out of that, we got to get little reminders that, hey, I got to get back. It might be a big reminder, return to God, a vision from his father. That's a signal grace right there, divine intervention. 
um, coming back to the church. Well, what does Longo have to do, though? He's got to do a confession, right, and bring him back to God and his church. Now, imagine here, folks, this is where the power of the rosary and the power of prayer comes in. And we're going to look at this because everything he must have done as a satanic priest, literally to offend God, there was no other reason to do it. You know, sometimes we fall into sin because of our own weakness, not because we're trying to hurt God. And sometimes we even fall into mortal sin because we think we know better than God, but not because we want to offend God. It's just I think I know better. I'm going to do this. It doesn't matter this time. I've decided to go my own way. This is a whole different story. Once you become a, a, a satanic priest and you uh, delve, delve into the occult, you're literally doing these things on purpose to God. Saying, God, I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to beat you down. And this is I'm your enemy right now. That's a pretty tough place to be. But this tells me that even at that point, God will take us back. Because when did that happen? When we crucified Christ. Literally, we were against God. We were beating up God. We're saying, be quiet. We don't want to hear you. We're going to crucify you. And God still loves us enough to bring us back. Well, let's see what happened here. Remember, he just heard, had his confession heard, and Father Redente is going to bring him back into his church. Then it says, one evening, he walked near chapel at Pompeii. Longo had a profound mystical experience about which he wrote later. And this is what he said. As I pondered over my condition, I experienced a deep sense of despair and almost committed suicide. Then I heard an echo in my ear of the voice of Friar Alberto repeating the words of the Blessed Virgin Mary. If you seek salvation, promulgate the rosary. This is Mary's own promise. These words illumined my soul. I went on my knees. If it is true, I will not leave this valley until I have propagated your rosary, he said. Here we go, folks, the power of the rosary. We take somebody who had gone deep into the occult, became an ordained satanic priest. Let's not forget that. Ordained satanic priest. And he decides to come back to the church. And what is he hearing? He's hearing these conversions. He's hearing first the words of his father telling him to come back to God. And then he has this experience. In the midst of his despair, almost wanting to commit suicide, he hears the voice of Our Lady. Remember, he, was, he grew up praying the rosary. Didn't Our Lady make these promises that if you grew up praying the rosary, I'm not going to leave you. You're going to have my help. He grew up praying the rosary. Even if he's far away, Our Lady came back and kept her promise and said, hey, here's a reminder. Remember, you grew up praying the rosary. Come back to this. If you seek salvation, promulgate my rosary. Well, he was so moved by this that he attended a seance. And in the middle of it, he stood up, raising a medal of the Blessed Virgin Mary and yelled, I renounce spiritism because it is nothing but a maze of error and falsehood. So what happened here? Why did he even do that? Why did he go back to the seance to do this? Because he found the truth. Notice now he could see clearly. He's talking about spiritism and seances as a maze of error and falsehood, which means confusion and confusion leads to anxiety and anxiety leads to poor health and poor mental health. And he's saying, I renounce all this because it's nothing but error and falsehood, meaning I have found the truth and I'm going to keep finding the truth and going towards the truth through the rosary. On March, March 25th, 1871, Longo became a Third Order Dominican and took the name Brother Rosario in honor of the rosary. He joined a charitable group in Pompeii and worked with Countess Mariana de Fusco, a wealthy local widow who he married a year later at Pope Leo XIII's recommendation. Pope Leo XIII, big pope on deliverance. And let's look at when he became a Third Order Dominican again. March 25th, 1871. What's March 25th? The Annunciation, the Incarnation, where, where it all starts, the very first mystery of the rosary. There's no coincidences here, folks. 
This is how it is. We start praying the rosary, good things happen to us, and that is a signal grace. A signal grace saying, hey, on the day of the incarnation, on the day of the Annunciation, you're going to have a conversion. You're going to become a third order Dominican. You're going to fully consecrate yourself in a different way. Remember, he was consecrated. He was he was brought into, he was ordained as a satanic priest. Well, Our Lady can work miracles. And all of a sudden, on the day of the Annunciation, he becomes a third order Dominican, consecrated the other way as a third order. How powerful is that? You know, if this is something, if I can't guarantee that my children will not uh, uh, veer from the right path, but if this is something that's going to bring them back, why not teach them the rosary? Why not inspire them? Why not put that on their soul already? Well, not only did he become a third Dominican, he was married to this widow, and the devout couple started a confraternity of the rosary and searched for a painting of the Blessed Virgin to serve as a spiritual focus for the group. So they're moving forward. Um, you know, he he got this painting and says that he repaired it and had a more competent artist touch it up and it was installed as a ram at a ramshackle church which he also repaired in october of 1873 miracles were reported within hours of its installation seeing the devotion of the pilgrims the bishop of nola encouraged bartolo to construct a larger church the born-again catholic as they call him approached architect giovanni rispoli to build saying in this place, selected for its prodigies, we wish to leave to present and future generations a monument to the Queen of Victories that will be less unworthy of her greatness, but more worthy of our faith and love. So we have this, this shrine. Um, and, you know, this is all the power of the rosary right here. He, he, he promulgates the rosary. You go from apparently nothing to everything, to promulgating the rosary for Our Lady. You know, these are the important things that I think we need to think about this month of October. This is a powerful conversion story, you know, and how did it start? It's not like we hear a lot of different lines of saints where we say, well, yeah, you know, they, they never heard of God. They led a poor life. And then they they came back to, they, they found the church and they came to the church. Okay. Or you hear lives, you know, people who they were Catholic and they weren't doing so well, but boy, they became really fervent in their faith. Rarely do we hear of and I think that we can really uh, associate with and really relate to this story where how many of us were brought up Catholic? How many of us were taught the Catholic faith? How, how many of us went to Catholic school and all of a sudden really fell away from the faith in a really intense way? I'm not saying we became uh, part of the satanic church, but a lot of times it'll happen where we're fully Catholic. We may pray the rosary a few times in, in grade school or as kids, or we went to confession. But then as we grew up, we, we started to divert and we started to not really have any fervent ideas about the Catholic faith. We started to not have the faith in the Catholic faith. And we started to leave our own lives, leave the church 180 even, and say, gosh, the church is bad. Is there hope for us? There is always hope for us. And there's hope for us in the rosary. we got to come back and remember God's not going to leave, leave anybody alone, especially we pray the rosary because Our Lady made these promises. And here in the month of October, what I would say is, more than anything, let's teach the truth so that they carry that rosary in their heart so that when they're older, like we are, and we want to start praying the rosary and now come to an understanding of, ah, that's why it's important, they're not going to be left alone. If they ever feel like they're leaving the faith, they're going to come right back. And we played a hand in that. Until next time, until next week, this is Dr. Sandoval saying... Keep it Catholic and pray your rosary.